Praise the Lord, everyone. I am so glad that you are here today. And if you're watching online, I am glad that you are watching online. It's a good day to be in the house of God, isn't it? Actually, there is no better days. Uh, they're all good days to be in the house of the Lord. Uh, I get to talk about my very favorite verse in the entire Bible today, and I am so excited. Uh, before I get there, though, I want to pose a question to you. Have you noticed that our world has a lot of chaos? I mean, it, it, you would think that everybody would live in harmony, but it's just not that way. In fact, there are, there are people that disagree with one another every single day. You can't watch yeah, any news outlet without hearing something that, uh, where somebody is uh, saying a disparaging remark against somebody else. It, it's, and, and my question to you today is, how can we as Christians walk in this life? How should we approach the injustices that we see, the indifferences that we see, the sin that we see, and the corruption that we see? It's a great question. And if you're wondering who that is, that's my uh, latest grandchild saying amen. Uh, Paul, Paul speaking to Titus, he had left Titus uh, to take care of churches and, and he reminded Titus of this very thing because during, during the late 50s, early 60s AD, there was a difficult time as well with the Roman occupation and, and there, were, there were those even within the church that were calling to overthrow Rome and there, there were those that were uh, fighting the, the indifference and the intolerance and the injustice in the society that prevailed at that time. And Paul writes to Titus and he says this in Titus chapter 3. Now before I get there I want you to make sure that if you do take uh, cohesive notes and make sure that you write these verses down because you'll get to go back this afternoon and, and reread them. But I would encourage you to read Titus chapter 3 all the way through. It's an amazing passage of scripture. But here's Paul and he's talking to Titus which is overseeing the churches in the region and he says remind them them being the people of God he's not reminding Rome he's not reminding the emperor he is not reminding the soldiers he's not reminding those that don't adhere to the faith he's saying to those that have put their faith and hope and confidence in Christ remind them to be subject to rulers Oh, I'm meddling now, aren't I? To authorities. To be obedient. Now, that's not a word we like to hear in our culture. To be ready for every good deed. Isn't that amazing? To malign no one. To be 
uncontentious, gentle, showing every consideration for all people. Paul, in the middle of a, of a time that he lived in, in the same semblance of ours, he said, I want to remind you, and, and I would encourage you as a child of God, that we, not just you, but myself as well, we can get caught up in everything around us, in the visceral hatred, and, and, the, and er, in the anger, and the frustration of this life. And, and I would remind you, as Paul reminded Titus, to remind the children of God, to be subject to rulers, to authorities, to be obedient, to be ready to do every good work, to not malign anybody, to not be uh, contentious, but gentle and showing consideration. Then he tells why. For we also once were foolish ourselves. Paul goes on to say that this is foolishness. Why? Why would he say that? Because we were disobedient. We were deceived. We were enslaved to the various lusts and pleasures of this life, spending our life in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. But then he goes on to say, but when the kindness of God, our Savior, and his love for mankind appeared, he saved us. And the Lord said, Amen. <laughs> Here, what is Paul trying to say? And, and it's simply this. Focusing on, the, on the, this life alone is foolishness. You're always going to have corruption, and you're always going to have leaders that, that are not perfect, and you're always going to have injustices, and, it, and they're going to grieve your heart. But Paul said there is a better way of thinking. We're not condoning anything that we see around us, but we need to have our eyes set on the prize above. What he is really saying is we need to have an eternal perspective of life. We can do what we can right here, but we need to understand that, that humanity is not our enemy, that people that disagree with you are not your enemy, we need to focus on the eternal perspective, and that's where I want to go today. I want to talk to you about the work of sanctification. Isn't that a great word? Sanctification. So, if you would, I, I think I have a passage of Scripture. If I don't, uh, if you want to turn to Philippians 1, there it is. My favorite verse. I love that verse. In this one verse, you see all three tenses of salvation. Here's Paul, and he's writing from prison in Rome in the early 60s AD. Can you imagine writing a gracious, compassionate letter full of love when you're in prison? And here's Paul, and, he, and he's established this church that he is writing to in Philippi during his second missionary journey around 49, 50 AD. And, he, and he's talking to them, and he says, I, you can be confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to the completion until the day of Jesus Christ. Look at that passage of Scripture. This is one of the most amazing statements in the entire Scripture regarding salvation. It has all three parts of, of salvation. 
justification, sanctification, glorification. He said, being confident of this very thing, who, that he who has begun a good work, you, that good work in you started when you surrendered your life to Jesus Christ. When you bowed your knee, you bowed your heart, and you said, Lord, forgive me. I am a sinner. I believe that you died for my sins. I believe that, that you can pardon my, my sins and transgressions, and I ask that you forgive me. And when Christ became your Lord and Savior, that's when justification started. But look, he goes on, that, that he will carry it on. It's a progressive work. That's the sanctifying part until the day of Jesus Christ, which is when he comes back for the bride of Christ and we're transformed to be like him. And that's when we no longer have to worry about anything that's not right or pure or unholy because we will be like him. And you thought, all of that's in that one little verse? And it is. Isn't it amazing? So what is sanctification then? It, it's, it's a $100 word. It was, it's, it's really, if you want a, a, a layman's definition, sanctification is really the process of being molded into the image of Christ from the inside out. It's being changed and transformed from the inside, and the inside tran uh, transformation will manifest itself on the outside. Sanctification, in its simplest terms, is, is one, separation from sin. Write this down, 1 Peter 1, 15 and 16. That's 1 Peter 1, 15 and 16. Peter says, but like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves also in all your behavior. I love that word, all. He could have said, be holy in some of your behavior, and I would fit that bill. But he said, all, because it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. We talked about the holiness of God yesterday, uh, last week, rather. But what Peter is trying to express to us is that God is holy. He is without sin. He is incapable of having a bad thought, a negative response, uh, a, a wrong action. And because God is perfect, we need to strive to be like him. Because the reality is God will never and cannot accept yours, mine, or any other believer's unholy actions and attitudes. He, he doesn't accept them. That's why we have the process of sanctification. So sanctification is a separation from sin, but it's also a separation to God. We're moving from sin, and we're moving to God. Revelation 1.6 says this, And he has made us to be a kingdom of, uh, of priests to God and Father. To him be glory and, and the dominion forever and ever. We have been separated. We are separating ourselves toward God to be more like him. And when he comes back for us, we will truly live out being kings and priests unto God. But, but God is constantly challenging us 
to walk closer to him. That's what sanctification really is. He came and he forgave our sins, but now he wants us to walk in relationship with him. And the closer you walk in relationship with him requires, demands that we set aside the weights and sins of this world and we empty ourselves of everything that is not right that we can be filled with the spirit of the living God. That's what sanctification is. So there's, between justification and sanctification, it's two distinct experiences in the Christian walk. John chapter 1, verses 29 through 33 explain this where it talks about the one that is taking away the sin of the world That's that is being justified and then there is the one that is being baptized in with the Holy Spirit that is sanctification that's the ongoing work of the presence of God in our lives all Christians, if you are a Christian, you understand justification. You understand that he is the one that takes away the sins of the world. If you have never been justified, you are not a child of God. And you say, well, that's bold. Well, no, that's just a scripture. It's, it's just... Christian theology 101. You have to be forgiven of your sins. That's being justified by the blood of Christ that we can't justify our lives we can't live holy enough we can't live righteous enough we can't be perfect enough we can't be strong enough to save ourselves we needed a savior we needed a redeemer and Christ came and defeated death and, and, and conquered our number one enemy and he says if you come unto me I'll pardon you I will cleanse you you will be justified in the sight of God and you will be granted eternal life all Christians understand this many Christians do not understand the experience of the second of being baptized in the Holy Spirit deliverance from the penalty of sin is justification deliverance from the power of sin is sanctification Freedom from death is being justified. Freedom to live a life of victory is being sanctified. Because being released from the guilt of the past is being justified. Your sins are washed away. Praise the Lord for that. Amen? But being equipped to resist the temptations of this life for the future is sanctification it's not staying where you were but walking closer and closer and closer with Christ and allowing the presence and power of the Holy Spirit to live and rule and reign in your life see Christ's righteousness is imputed to us Christ's right that means he it was given to us it was imputed but but Christ's righteousness in in sanctification is manifest in us the difference is if Christ lives in us you're justified if Christ lives through us 
you're sanctified. There is a difference between Christ in us and Christ through us. Paul was trying to tell Titus about the Christians that he was trying to to train and equip. And this is exactly what he was trying to convey is don't just allow to be Christ in us, but allow Jesus to be lived through us. Allow his life, his message, his hope, his goodness, his grace, his mercy, his compassion, his love to be seen in us. Every Christian has justification and has received the Spirit of God. Romans 5, 9 says this, You are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of God, he does not belong to him. You have to have the Spirit of God in you to be a child of God, to belong to God. Paul goes on to say that that same Spirit which dwelled in Christ will also quicken or make alive your mortal body at His coming. If you die in this life without the the Spirit of God, when the Lord comes back and that trumpet sounds, you will not rise because it's not your power that will get you from the grave. It's not your goodness that will get you from the grave. It's the Spirit of God that lives in you. Don't you love that? You say, well, why are you so passionate about this? I mean, this is the heartbeat of Christianity. This is it. I believe that many Christians have never really fully understood or, nor, or have never allowed the Spirit to fill them. Ephesians 5.18 says this, Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Don't you love that? Debauchery? Isn't that a great word? Debauchery. I think somebody need, needs to name their child that. But he said instead, don't get drunk on wine. Why? Because, because when you become really inebriated, really intoxicated, all of your filters kind of go by the wayside and you say and do things that you will regret because you're under the influence of something else. This is what Paul is saying. He said, don't be under the influence of alcohol, is what he's really saying. He said, but instead, be filled with the spirit in other words don't allow uh, alcohol it could be anything that influences it that that makes you inebriated in this in this life don't allow anything of this life to influence your decision making but rather be influenced and be filled and be controlled by the spirit of the living god each and every one of us have that great opportunity Let's talk a little bit about justification versus sanctification. Justification, being made right in the eyes of God, is a change in state. What does that mean? That means that if you run a stop sign and you get a ticket, God forbid that none of us run a stop sign, but if you do and you get a ticket, you go to the, before the judge and the judge says, I don't care what this paper says, you're innocent. In the eyes of the law, 
it's as if you had never ran that stop sign, even though you know you did. More than likely, it wouldn't be a stop sign. It would probably be that yellow light you think you could beat, but it turns red when you're in the cross in the middle. So that's what justification is. Even though you have committed wrongdoing, even though you are guilty and deserving of punishment, justification makes you right in the eyes of God. It's a legal term. It just simply means it doesn't matter what you've done, doesn't matter where you've been, doesn't matter what you've said, and and how many people you have hurt. If you ask the Lord to forgive you, he is going to justify you. He's going to make you right in the eyes of God through the blood of Jesus Christ. And he is going to look at you as if you have never committed any sin whatsoever. And that's past, present, and future. Don't you love that? But sanctification is not just a change in state. It's a real change in the real man, in the inside. It's a transformation, not just in the state of being, but who you really are. It's the Spirit of God in us that's transforming our attitudes and our anger and everything in us. And it's conforming us and molding us and shaping us to in the, into the image of Christ. Justification always precedes sanctification. Justification is imputed or accredited. It's accredited righteousness. Impute means to credit to a person or a cause. So so when we are justified, it's credited to us even though we don't deserve it. Romans 4.8 Blessed is the person to whom the Lord will not impute sin. If you are a child of God, you're blessed. Why? Because everything that you've ever done, and I know you're, I, I'm talking to Mary Poppins, you're practically perfect in all your ways. But to the one or two of us that have maybe been a little bit more, less than, than Mary Poppins, it doesn't matter. He is not going to impute sin to us because we have been justified because we have received Christ but also for us Romans 4:24 to whom God will impute righteousness or credit it righteousness for us who believe in him that raised, that that Jesus was raised from the dead can you believe that that righteousness is is given to us that that we are justified we are declared righteous right right in everything we say and do through the blood of christ so justification is imputed sanctification is imparted and you say what's the difference it means to give or to grant something in other words it wasn't given to us uh accredited to us but it's given to us 1 Peter 2.24 says, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. 
You see the difference between justification and sanctification. Justification makes us right in the eyes of God, but sanctification gives us the power to die to sin and to live according to righteousness. In other words, it enables you and gives you the power that the things that used to hold you down no longer hold you down. Why? Because the power of the living God, the spirit of, the, of God Almighty is living and dwelling and moving inside and the things that used to tempt you no longer tempt you and you're able to set them aside because you now you have a passion and a drive to follow after Christ sanctification justification is a judicial act sanctification is a moral act that affects the soul it changes us morally on the inside justification is perfect on receipt when you're justified it's perfect there's no more work that needs to be done with justification when God, God declares you innocent you're innocent there's nothing else to be done but sanctification is a work in progress we're the highway department on interstate 4 it's never going to end And that's the beauty of being sanctified. It's the work of Christ in us. Because he's not willing to allow us to stay in a sinful state. But he wants us to be closer to him. He wants us to understand the, the riches of his glory. To catch a glimpse of who he really is. And the more that you allow the sanctification, the process of the Holy Spirit moving in your life, you begin to see glimpses of the glory of our God. And it gives you a desire to be with him. justification gives you a title to heaven sanctification prepares you to enjoy heaven you say well what is the difference the difference is large the difference is huge do you want to get to a place that you have no idea what it's going to be like or do you want to, want to experience more of God here? Paul was trying to convey to, to Titus. Titus, remind God's people to be kind, to be gentle, to have an eternal perspective. What was he saying? Titus, remind them to submit to the will of God of the spirit in their life you say well how how does that work in my life i'm going to ask our praise team to come back and you can say well you didn't preach very long and everybody says amen how does sanctification work in our life does the lord just fill you with his spirit and then and then then you're perfect right from that beginning it doesn't work that way Sanctification is a choice that we get to work on every single day. It's becoming less of ourselves and more of him.
It's putting our own ideas aside and passionately following the Spirit in our lives. And here's how the Spirit works in your life. You'll have an opportunity, and we have them every single day, whether to have a good attitude or a bad attitude, whether to, to think about ourselves or think about somebody else, to, to, to bask in what we're doing or, or consider the person next to us. It doesn't matter what it is. or If you allow the Spirit of God to transform you, there's something that just begins to change, that you become more and more like Him. And it's a daily choice it's a daily progression you say well is it just a linear thought no that's kind of a western theology that we go from a to b on a straight line sanctification if if you want to really look at it it's kind of like a plate of spaghetti those noodles go everywhere but at sooner or later you'll find the end Sanctification is, is the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives that, that give us an opportunity to look at ourselves in the mirror. And, and he allows us to see things in our lives that sometimes are just hurtful, that you didn't realize you even had. Have you ever been confronted with your own self about an attitude that you had and you didn't realize it? And at that moment, you had a choice. Am I going to ask the Lord to forgive me and walk in the ways of God or am I going to hang on to this bad attitude? That's the work of, of sanctification. It's the Spirit of God that gives us opportunities every single day to, to not choose what we would do but, but renounce that and allow the presence and the Spirit of God to transform us. And as we begin to to walk in the presence of God and we're obedient to the Spirit of God in our life, amazing things begin to happen. Our attitudes change. Our, our circumstance change. Everything around us looks different because we're no longer focused on this life, but we're focused on eternity and people become the greatest priority that you could ever have. Because the greatest thing that we can do in this life is to lead somebody else to the foot of the cross. Nothing else matters. Would you stand with me? I'm going to just ask a simple question. This is a rhetorical question. simply means I don't want an answer what is God working on in you you say well I don't know if he's working yeah, if you're a child of God he's working on something and the reason why I know he's working on something is because that's the process of sanctification. Because God is not willing to allow us to stay in the same state that we are in. Because he loves us too much to allow us to wallow in misery. And he is calling us, encouraging us, and loving us to say, come up higher. So whatever it is that God's working on in your life, would you just set it aside and say, Lord... 
allow your spirit to have a perfect work in me. And this is what's going to happen. He is going to bless you and give you the power and the strength to overcome. And then he's going to show you something else in your life. Isn't that great? And when you conquer that, he's going to show you something else. And when he conquers that, you, and, and you say, when does it end? When the trumpet sounds and we're glorified and we're perfect in his sight. But my friends, allow, allow the work of the Spirit to have full effect. Because when you do, you will see Jesus in an amazing light that you have never seen before.